Hey everybody, so I decided to release an extra chapter. Today, we are reading chapter 10 of the Chronicles of Narnia, book one, The Magician's Nephew. Chapter 10 is called, The First Joke and Other Matters. Chapter 10, The First Joke and Other Manners. It was of course the lion's voice. The children had long felt that he, would speak, that he could speak, yet it was a lovely and terrible shock when he did. Out of the trees, wild people stepped forth, gods and goddesses of the wood. With them came fawns and satyrs and dwarves, or dwarfs. Out of the river rose the river, river god with his naiad daughters. With all those, with all these, and all the beasts and birds in their different voices, high or low or thick and clear, replied, "Hail, Aslan! We hear and obey. We are awake. We love. We think. We speak. We know." But please. We don't know very much yet, said a nosy and snorty kind of voice. And that really did make the children jump, for it was the cab horse who, has, who had spoken. Good old Strawberry, said Polly. I'm glad that he was the one picked out to be a talking beast. And the cabbie, who was now standing beside the children, said, Strike me pink. I always did say that ass had a lot of sense, though. Creatures, I give you yourselves it's the strong happy voice of Aslan. I give you forever this land of Narnia. I give you I give I give you the woods, the fruits, the rivers, I give you the stars and I give you myself. The dumb beasts who I have not chosen are yours too. Trust them gently and cheers them, but do not go back to their ways lest you cease the talk to be talking beasts. For out of them you are taken and into them you can return. Do not so. No, Aslan, we won't. We won't, said everyone. But one perky jackdaw added in a loud voice, No fear! And everyone finished just before he said it, so his words came out clear in a dead silence. Perhaps you found out how awful that can be a say at a party. The jackdaw became so embarrassed that he that it hit its head, it hit its head under its wing as if it were going to sleep. And all the other animals making various queer noises, which are their ways of laughing, and which, of course, no one had ever heard in their world. They tried at first for oppressive, but Aslan said, Laugh and fear not, creatures, that now that you are no longer dumb and witless, you need not always to be grave, for jokes as well as justice come into a speech. They all let themselves go, and there was such merriment that the jackdaw himself plucked up the courage again and perched on the cab horse again, between its ears, clapping its wings, and said, Aslan, Aslan, haven't made the first joke? Will everybody know, will everybody always be told how I made the first joke? No, little friends, said the lion, you have not made the first joke. You have only been the first joke. Everyone laughed more than ever. But the jackdaw didn't mind and laughed just as loud till the horse shook its head. And the jackdaw lost its balance and fell off. But remembered its wings. They're still new to it. 
before it reached the ground. And now, said Aslan, Narnia is established. We must take thoughts of, of keeping it safe. I will call you to my castle. Come hither to me. You ask the dwarf chief, and you the river god, and you oak, and the he owl, and both the ravens and the bull elephant. We must talk together, for this world has not five hours old, and evil has yet entered it. The creatures that he had named came forward, and he turned away eastward with them. The others began talking, saying things, What did he say? Entered the world. An evil. What's an evil? No, he said, he didn't say an evil. He said a weevil. Well, what's that? Look here, said Polly to Diggory the Polly. I've got to go after him. Aslan, I, meet the, I mean the lion. I must speak to him. Do you think we can, said, pa said Polly? I would dare. I've got to, said Diggory. It's about mother. If anyone could give me something good that would do her good, it would be him. I'll come along with you, said the cabbie. I like the looks of him. I don't reckon those other beasts would go for us. And I want a word with old strawberry. So all three of them stepped up boldly, or as boldly as they could, toward the assembly of animals. The creatures were so busy talking to one another and making friends they didn't notice the three humans until they were very close. Or nor did they hear Uncle Andrew, who was standing, trembling in his button boots a good way off and shouting, but by no means at the top of the voice. Diggory, Diggory, come back. Come back at once when you're told. I forbid you to go a step further. When they at last were right in among the animals, the animals all stopped talking and stared at them. Well, said the he-beaver at last, what in the name of a slant are these? Please, said Diggory in a rather breathless voice. When a rabbit said, they are kind of large lettuce. That's my belief. No, we're not. Honestly, we're not, said Polly. We're not at all nice to eat. There, said the mole. They can talk. Who ever heard of a talking lettuce? Perhaps they are, the second joke, suggested the jackdaw. A panther, panther, which had been washing its face, stopped for a moment to say, well, if they are, they're nothing like so good like the first one. At least, I don't see anything funny about them. He yawned and went on with his wash. Oh, please, said Diggory. I, I'm in such a hurry. I want to see the lion. And all this time, the cab had been trying to catch Strawberry's eye. Now he did. Now, Strawberry, old boy, you know me. You ain't, go you ain't going to stand there and say if you don't know me. What, what's that thing talking about, horse? said several voices. Well, said Strawberry very slowly, I don't exactly know. I think most of us don't know much about anything yet. But I've had a sort of idea. I've been some, a thing like this before. I've had a feeling I've lived somewhere else before. Or something else before Aslan woke us all up a few minutes ago. It's all very muddled. Like a dream. But, but these things, but there were things like these three might in the dream. What, said the cabbie? Not know me? What used to bring you a hot mash of an evening when you were out sorts? Me that rubbed you down proper. Me what never forgot 
put your cloth on you if you're standing in the cold. I wouldn't have thought it of you, Strawberry. It does begin to come back, said the horse thoughtfully. Yes, let, let me think now. Let me think. Yes, you used to tie me to the horrid black thing around me and hit me to make me run. However far I ran that, this black thing that always be coming a rattle rattle behind me. We add our living to earn, see, said the cabbie. Yours is the same as mine. If, the, if there had been no work, no whip, there'd have been no stable, no hay, no mash, no oats. For you did get a taste of oats when I could afford them, which no one can deny. Oats? Is the horse pricking up his ears? Yes, I remember something about that. Yes, I remember more and more and more. You were always sitting up somewhere behind, and I was always running in front, pulling you and the black thing. I know I did all the work. Summer, I grant you, said Cabby. Ought work for you and a cool seat for me. But what about winter, old boy, when you were keeping yourself warm, when I was sitting up there with my feet like ice, and my nose fair pinched off me with the wind, and my hands that numb I could hardly... Orderly old the reins. It was a hard, cruel country, said Strawberry. There is no grass, no all hard stones. True, mate, tr too true, mate, too true, said the cabbie. A, a hard world it was. I did say those paving stones weren't fair on my ass, but that that's London. London. London? That is. It didn't like it no more what you did. You were a country oss, and I was a country man. You used to sing in the choir I did that down at home, but there wasn't a living for me there. Oh, please, please, said Diggory. Can we, we get on? The line's getting farther and farther away, and I want you to speak to them so dreadfully badly. Look here, Strawberry, said the cabbie. This young gentleman has something on his mind he want, that, he, that he wants to talk about, to the line about. Him you call a slam. Suppose you can let him ride on your back, which he had taken very kindly, and trot him over there where the line is. And me and a little girl will be following a line. Ride, said Strawberry. Oh, I remember now. That means sitting on my back. I remember used to be one of there used to be a, a little one of you, two leggers, who used to do that long ago. We used to have little hard square lumps of some white stuff that he gave me. Oh, they tasted so wonderful, sweeter than grass. Ah, that'd be sugar, said the cabbie. Please, Strawberry, begged Diggory. Do, do get me up and take me to a slan. Well, I don't mind, said the horse. Not for once in a way. Up you get. Good old Strawberry, said the cabbie. Here, young un, I'll give you a lift. Digger is soon on Strawberry's back and quite comfortable. He had ridden bareback before on his own pony. Now, dookie up, Strawberry, he said. Well, you don't happen to have a bit of that white stuff about you, I suppose, said the horse. Well, I'm afraid I haven't, said Diggory. Well, it can't be helped, said Strawberry, and, and off they went. At that moment, a large bulldog, who had been sniffing very hard, said, Well, isn't there another of these queer creatures over here, beside the river? under the trees. Then all the animals looked and saw Uncle Andrew standing very still among the rodent 
drones and hoping he still wouldn't be noticed. Come on, said several voices. Let's go and find out. So while Strawberry was briskly trotting away with Diggory in one direction, and Polly and the cabbie were following on foot, most of the creatures rushed towards Uncle Andrew with roars, barks, grunts, and various noise of cheerful interest. We must now go back a bit and explain what the whole scene looked like from Uncle Andrew's point of view. It had not made at all the same impression him as on the cabbie and the children, for what you see and hear depends a good deal on where you're standing, and also depends what sort of person you are. Ever since the animals first appeared, Uncle Andrew had been shrinking further and further back into the thicket. He watched them very hard, of course, but he wasn't really interested in seeing what they were doing. Only in seeing whether they were going to make a rush at him. Like the witch, he was dreadfully practical. He didn't he simply didn't notice that Aslan was choosing one pair of every kind of beast. All he saw, or thought he saw, was a lot of dangerous wild animals walking vaguely about. And he didn't and he kept on wondering why the other animals didn't run away from the big lion. When the great moment came and the beast spoke, he missed the whole point for a rather interesting reason. When the lion first begun singing long ago, when it was quite dark, he had, reali he had realized that the noise in the song he, he had disliked very much. He made him think and feel things he did not want to think and feel. Then, when the sun rose and he saw that the singer was a lion, only a lion, he said to himself, he tried his hardest to make believe in that he wasn't singing and never had been singing, only roaring as any lion might in a zoo in our old world. Of course it can't really have been singing, he thought. I must have imagined it. Or am I letting or ha have I been letting my nerves get out of order? Whoever heard of a lion singing? And the longer and more beautiful the lion sang, the harder Uncle Andrew tried to make himself believe that he can hear nothing but roaring. Now the trouble about trying to make yourself stupider than you actually are is that you very often succeed. Uncle Andrew did. He soon did hear nothing but roaring in Aslan's song. He soon he couldn't have heard anything else if he had wanted to. And at last, when the lion spoke and said, Narnia awake, he didn't hear any words. He heard only a snarl. When the beast spoke in an answer, he heard only barkings, growlings, bayings, and howlings. And when they laughed, well, you can imagine, that was worse for Uncle Andrew. It didn't happen yet. Such a horrid, bl bloodthirsty din of hungry brutes he had never heard in his life. Then, to his utter rage and horror, he saw the other three humans actually walking out into the open to meet the animals. The fools, he said to himself. Those brutes will eat the ring along with the children and I'll never be able to get home again. What a selfish little boy th that Diggory is. And all the others just as bad. If they want to throw away their own lives, that's their business. But what about me? They don't seem to think of that. No one thinks of me. Finally, 
when the whole crowd of animals came rushing towards him. He turned and ran for his life. And now anyone could see that the air of that young world was really doing to the old gentleman good. In London, he had been far too old to run, but now he had a he ran his speed, which he could have made him certain to win the hundred-yard race at any prep school in England. His coattails flying out behind him were a fine sight, but of course it was no use. Many animals behind him were the swift ones, and it was first run that they had ever taken in their lives, and they were all longing to see their new muscles. After him! After him, they shouted. Perhaps he's at Neville. Tally-ho, tuntavay, cut him off, round him up, keep it up, hurrah. In a very few minutes, some of them got ahead of him. They lined up in a row and barred his way. The others hemmed him from in from behind, from in from behind. Wherever he looked, he saw terrors. Antlers of great elks and the huge face of an elephant were over him. Heavy, serious-minded bears and boars grunted behind him. Cool-looking leather leopards and panthers with sarcastic faces, he thought, stared at him and waved their tails. What struck them most of all was the number of open mouths. The animals had really opened their mouths to pant. He thought they'd opened their mouths to eat him. Uncle Andrew stood trembling and swinging his way in that. He never liked animals at the best of time, being usually rather afraid of them. And of course, years of doing cruel experience on animals made him hate and fear them far more. Now, sir, said the bulldog in his business-like way, are you animal, vegetable, or mineral? That was what it really said, but Uncle Andrew heard was growl. That is the end of chapter 10. I hope you enjoyed.